Here's Stan Warren Luttrell. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Finding Hope podcast. This week's guest is Tess Fields, and she is with one of the great organizations called Home Share Oregon. And this episode is brought to you in part by the fine folks at Lithia Motors. And be sure to listen to this podcast wherever you find podcasts. And we're sponsored by Anchor.fm. But you can go to Apple Podcasts or TuneIn or wherever you choose to find your podcast. Without any further ado, here's my interview with Tess Fields. And thanks for listening. Good morning. This is the Finding Hope podcast, and my guest today is Tess Fields from Oregon Home Sharing. And it gives me a great deal of pleasure to introduce um, Tess to our audience. And my name is Stan Luttrell, otherwise known as Stanley Luttrell, but I prefer Stan. And... um, First of all, uh, Tess, uh, I'm happy that you're here. And tell us a little bit about your organization, Home Sharing. And I've seen some ads on television. And so, I'm, and I, of course, I also know that you're familiar with hip housing. And um, so tell us a little about you and how you got involved with this organization. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on your, your podcast. Um, uh, so uh, HomeShare Oregon uh, is a nonprofit organization designed, uh, and our goal is to expand access to affordable housing. Uh, as you know, uh, throughout the state of Oregon, as well as across the country, we do have a crisis uh, happening um, whereby many people uh, simply cannot afford to find a place to live. And uh, uh, Oregonians in particular have done a great job. We've, we've all dug in and we've passed bonds and uh, raised our own taxes and, and done a number of different things to provide new uh, housing developments and provide people with um, some of the financial assistance that they may need um, to uh, uh, get into a hotel until they can get back on their feet or whatever. But what we found um, as we were trying to come up with a creative way to add to the solution to the problem is we looked at and studied the Oregon census and learned that there are 1.5 million owner occupied homes across the state of Oregon that have a spare bedroom. And so we thought, you know, if we could encourage people to rent out those spare bedrooms to a person who's just simply looking for an affordable place to live, then we could expand how we could provide housing for 30,000 people. And so it's a, it could be a huge step. Um, so we launched HomeShare Oregon. We are our own independent 501c3 organization. And our primary, uh, our number one goal uh, is to um, uh, make home sharing a cultural norm. So currently there's uh, some stigma attached if people choose to home share um, there are, you know, some con- uh, concerns, usually uh, some real, some not so real concerns around home sharing, <clears throat> et cetera. But 
the bottom line right now is that home sharing is not necessarily perceived as something that, you know, everybody, everybody does. And so we have launched a statewide public education campaign about the benefits of home sharing, um, not only for in terms of expanding access to affordable housing for thousands and thousands of Oregonians, but then also uh, providing uh, potentially some financial relief for homeowners who may be mortgage burdened. Um, we have learned through the uh, federal uh, government studies that one in three uh, people are mortgage burdened, and that means that they are spending thirty more than 30% of their income on their mortgages. And this impedes their ability to um, access uh, and pay for good health care. It impedes their ability to save for their children's college educations. It impedes their ability to save for their own retirements. And so we felt that, you know, by really uh, trying to sort of match up these these folks, that we could make a big dent in the multitude of issues that are occurring right now due to a lack of access to affordable housing. Now, we decided to partner with a for-profit organization or a corporation called Silvernest, and uh, basically, they are a compatibility matching program for homeowners and renters and renters and homeowners. So the website functions much like a dating application. Uh, you simply go in if you're a homeowner and you list you know, what room you have available and you identify what your interests are and what you enjoy doing and what your habits are. Uh, and then the renter uh, also goes in and, and fills out the same information. People be- can become as detailed as they like. Um, it can be anything from, uh, you know, I'm allergic to cats. I can't have any cats here. Or I have nine cats and I need a place that I can house my nine cats as well as myself. <laughs> um, it could be, you know, I really want a, I really want a roommate that I can do things with and kind of you know, go on walks with or catch a movie every now and again to, um, I really don't actually am not looking for any kind of companionship in, in a roommate situation. I kind of have my own life and I'm just looking for, uh, an affordable place to live. And, uh, and then based on the, the answers to the questions that are posed, uh, once one submits the profile, their profile, uh, the computer or the application runs an algorithm and it matches homeowners to renters and renters to homeowners that are are compatible based on on personal preferences, and they are matched to anyone anywhere from, you know, three to sometimes twenty people uh, that they could potentially cohabitate with. And at that point, uh, there's a secure online messaging system, much like you find with dating applications, and people can reach out to one another and start to converse. There's also free uh, on or there's online rental agreements that walk people through the process and that have been uh, vetted by attorneys. Um, And uh, it's a basic fill in the blank kind of DocuSign thing that you can tailor to what your needs are. And renters and homeowners can go back and forth within that agreement and uh, negotiate uh, uh, terms that they find amenable for, for both parties. Uh, simultaneously, there's access to free background checks for both renters and homeowners. 
um, uh, to make the pro- or make people feel more secure about the decisions that they're making. Uh, many renters don't necessarily, especially women, don't necessarily want to move into somebody's home uh, without knowing that that place, um, you know, is more secure. And you know, homeowners feel the same way about renters moving in. So that's also available. There's also an online direct deposit rental option uh, where instead of having to take a check every month or you know something like that. Um, you know, the, the online, uh, portal allows for, you know, just setting up direct deposits so that rent is deposited, um, is paid, you know, automatically on the fourth or 15th or first or, you know, whatever, whatever day people choose. And if that online, uh, rental payment option is chosen, then the homeowner is provided with $100,000 worth of free liability insurance in the event that anything uh, goes wrong uh, to the house as a result of of the renter being there. And then the renter is also provided with $10,000 worth of free liability insurance in the event that there's a fire or a break-in or, you know, something happens and they've lost, you know, some of their possessions. Um, so we're, uh, we have launched the program statewide. It's designed really to be self-service, um, with us, you know, really encouraging people, uh, that this is an option that, that everyone uh, should be considering at this point. Um, and, uh, we're excited. We're going to be on the ground serving Lane and Jackson counties and specifically trying to assist the efforts there, uh, for victims that have been displaced as a result of the fires. We're excited to get to work there. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of the program in a nutshell. Well, you know, and of course, I will never forget that was a Tuesday, September 8th of 2020, because that's when we had a big firestorm in Southern Oregon. I'll tell mm-hmm. you, I, I will never forget that. Um, first of all, and then secondly, How did you, where are you centered out of? So uh, our office is currently in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, but, you know, as our program continues, our organization continues to grow, um, we are uh, hopefully going to have program representatives also on the ground in uh, Deschutes, uh, Tillamook, and, um, and uh, uh, potentially um, Washington and Clackamas counties. Ah, are you partnering with any other organizations in Oregon other than, you know, uh, your own organization? Are you partnering with, or are you looking to partner with other organizations? Yeah, so, you know, there's so many fantastic people that are working in the space of housing. Uh, you know, again, this is a humanitarian crisis, and uh, it's going to, it takes an all hands on deck approach. Sure. So for some of, uh, you know, we have, for some of our more vulnerable populations that are looking for housing, we're currently um, partnering with nonprofit organizations and other government entities that serve those clients specifically. So for instance, um, uh, you know, I recently had a senior citizen who had a room that they wanted to rent and was actually uh, interested in renting that room for a highly reduced rate in exchange for some help around the house with some basic household chores. However, this person was uh, did not have a computer and uh, was not necessarily technologically savvy. And so we worked with this person's case manager at Legacy and got the uh, homeowner set up on 
uh, with their own profile, and then that case manager assisted in um, helping that homeowner through that process. And so we anticipate many more partnerships like this. Uh, For some people where home sharing just is not an option for them at this point, uh, we partner with other organizations, for instance, like Rogue Retreat, uh, that provide uh, alternative services for folks who might need a little bit more assistance. Um, And so really, uh, you know, we're also looking at at partnering with organizations that are assisting kids who are aging out of the foster care system who really, you know, don't have any resources and, um, and, uh, you know, getting them signed up into a home sharing program to increase, again, their options uh, to find affordable housing. Um, So, you know, again, um, home sharing is a movement. Uh, That's kind of what we consider ourselves is uh, a movement to uh, make home sharing a cultural norm and, and something that comes just becomes a part of our everyday lives and, and something that everybody participates in. Now, for, for people that want to learn more, I think we need to give the website URL. It's home share, thank you. It's homeshareoregon.org. I knew that, because, but I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned this because that's what we do here. Um, another thing, you mentioned something that I really picked up on. You said that there is a stigma to home sharing. Could you explain that to our audience? Sure. So, you know, home sharing is not a, a brand new idea. It's it's something that we did for many, many, many years, and it just kind of fell out of favor. Um, however, you know, when we are young and we uh, are, you know, in school or we just graduate from college, you know, there's an expectation that we'll have roommates and that we'll be home sharing. And then when we uh, uh, become families, uh, that expectation, you know, kind of uh diminishes. And so the expectation is that you're going to be living in a home, you know, just you and your spouse um, or just you and your kids. And that expectation, you know, basically carries forward for the next, you know, several decades of a, of a person's life. Um, and if somebody does decide to rent a spare bedroom in their home, uh, oftentimes people may feel like, why would you do that? That's different. You know, are, are you having money problems? Like, mm-hmm. why are you doing this? Um, and it even uh, really goes down into impeding decisions regarding intergenerational living, which is another home sharing option that we'd like to encourage uh, to keep, you know, apartments open and available for people who have who don't have that option. Um, but even when a kid graduates from college, I like to use this metaphor. You've got, you know, somebody coming home from college, they move back into their old bedroom, they're paying a little bit of rent to their parents. And, you know, basically, if that child is not out of that house within a year, you know, the parents' friends may be looking at the parents and going, you know, what's wrong with your kid? Why aren't (laughs) they successful? Why are they still mooching off of you? You know, things like that. And when in actuality, uh, you know, the opposite is true. And, you know, this person is probably going to be a homeowner faster than others because they're saving a lot of money. Uh, They're providing their parents with a little bit of an additional rental income potentially and helping with the mortgage. Um, The family is, is staying intact and supporting each other. Um, And it's a really, and, you know, most importantly for people who don't have families and don't have that option, it's leaving an, an apartment available Uh, for somebody who really needs it, um, given the lack of access to housing. So 
Um, it's, it's, you know, you even hear, you know, you'll be watching a television sitcom and you'll hear things like, you know, never date a man who still lives with his parents. <laughs> um, you know, all of that stuff, you know, has kind of fed through, you know, in a, uh, you know, our culture. And that's really kind of what we're looking to challenge um, is, is, a, you know, a, an acceptance of home sharing as the smart thing to do, the financially prudent thing to do. Uh, morally, it's the right thing to do um, and to really, you know, make it a part of our culture again, as opposed to, you know, part of a small subculture, if you will, who's willing to challenge social norms. Well, you know, in, in my case, and I'll let you know a little bit about this. When I was, uh, after I finished college at San Francisco State, um I had a situation where I helped my parents. Well, even before that, because I helped pay for the car because that car benefited me. I certainly didn't think I'd ever have a chance to drive. And even now I don't think it would be a good idea for me to drive. (laughs) And uh, it it helped them out because I was able to uh, supply them with the uh, wherewithal to help get us a car that we could all benefit from exactly as well as the various things around the house that i could help out with too exactly and uh and you know and that's kind of how i think you know from from homeshare oregon's perspective we really you know view spare bedrooms as underutilized housing inventory and um, if you're sitting on empty space in your house that could be utilized to uh, and expand access to housing, then, you know, that would be a really fantastic option. And there's so many benefits to home sharing specifically for our seniors. Um, it promotes social determinants of health. It uh, provides companionship. It alleviates loneliness um, for college students out there, you know, who are are always struggling um, to find uh, stable housing that they can afford. Um, it really provides a nice alternative. We have a board member, for instance, uh, who home share, who was who home shared with a senior uh, when he graduated from college, and he provided additional chores around the house. I believe she was in her seventies or eighties. And in exchange, he got a severely reduced rent and four meals a day because she loved cooking for him. (laughs) Um, So it was, you know, this really wonderful uh, relationship and transaction. And I think, you know, really what we're working to do at HomeShare Oregon is to prevent homelessness before Mm -hmm. it starts. And there's many, many Oregonians and Americans out there who are currently housed, but they're at risk of being displaced. And we do not want to see an increase in homeless people um, that are having to live on the streets uh, throughout the state. And unfortunately, that's what we have been seeing year after year is just an increase, more and more of an increase. And you know, while, you know, 80% of, of these Oregonians, many of them are gainfully employed. Um, but, you know, there was just a study released, I believe, uh, by CNN, uh, that there's not a single state left in the country that if you currently make minimum wage, 
uh, where you can afford a one bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just the facts. And I think it's, 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 it's just, uh, it's such a, a, a misunderstanding to believe that if people are struggling to find stable housing, um, that it's, it's as a result of something that is within their control and that they can change. And, you know, for some people who are on the streets, that may be accurate um, and they need additional care uh, to, to help, you know, help them. Um, but for many, many, many people who are struggling to find access to housing, it just is not the case. They simply, you know, I think the latest data, and don't quote me on this, um, mm-hmm. or uh, actually I'm being quoted, but I just, uh, you know, it, I'm digging this out of memory. But if you don't make at least $25 per hour, you can't find a one-bedroom apartment uh, in the Portland metro area that you can you can afford to live in, period. And of course, so, rents are just going up exponentially. I mean, uh, I think uh, I just got a 7% rent increase. Yay. <laughs> and, wow. And of course, you have a lot of people. Uh, in fact, a statistic that I found interesting is that a quarter of the blind population is homeless. I didn't know that. Yeah. I had no idea. And the one I wanted to ask because of, and uh, how did you get involved with the organization and how long have you been there? Well, I've what been here. Almost, title, by the way. <laughs> so I'm the executive director for home share Oregon. Okay. And uh, my background is I, I have a history of working uh, in Varying in, in, the, in the nonprofit sector, I've worked on um, specifically, you know, uh, uh, women's rights issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have worked on environmental issues. Um, I've also worked on healthcare, expanding access to healthcare, uh, as well as um, school funding issues. And uh, I have uh, several people that I've been that I've partnered with throughout my career that have provided. Uh, funding for uh, varying and sundry causes um, that I've been engaged with and been private philanthropists or donors to the major organizations uh, that I was employed by. And one of my major donors reached out and asked me if I would um, basically help him launch this. Uh, His name is Homer Williams, and he is the founder of HomeShare Oregon, as well as Oregon Harbor of Hope. He He was a renowned developer uh, here uh, up and down the West Coast, probably best known for developing the Pearl District here in Portland and also Forest Heights. However, he's uh, since retired and he is 77 and he is dedicating the rest of his life to uh, working to alleviate the housing crisis and to get people off the streets. I want to ask this because we're really fast approaching the time that we have allotted here. Uh, what is the most surprising thing that you've learned since you've been involved in this endeavor? I've really been surprised by the number of seniors that are at risk of being homeless. Um, It's not something I, you know, that I ever anticipated. Uh, uh, However, and it's been, you know, a fairly sort of heartbreaking learning journey. Um, However, you know, our, uh, you know, the baby, baby boomers have aged and, you know, uh, then access to housing has just gone sky, you know, through the roof. And I've just been really shocked uh, the number of calls that I receive 
Uh, probably the majority of those calls, at least 65 to 70 percent, are from individuals that are 68 years and older who are, uh, you know, stories like, um, I'm 72, I lost my husband, um, he handled all the money, mm-hmm. uh, I only get part of his social security because I never worked. So I get $408 a month and I don't know how I, I live in a home. I don't know how I'm going to pay our mortgage. I guess I'm, you know, you know, or worse, um, I've gotten a call calls from one specific call that I, I remember a woman was um, 69 years old and uh, living in an RV and uh was just trying, she got $408 a month in social security. And she was just trying to find a place that she could park the RV. Mm-hmm. So it's stories like that. I think that are, are just, you know, have really opened my eyes and, and, and unfortunately the list just goes on and on. Um, for me, it was seniors. Uh, but for instance, the, the statistic that you just shared with me around blind, that blind people, Um, is also shocking and upsetting. So I think every day, you know, when you keep peeling back, um, who's really being impacted by this lack of access to affordable housing, uh, it just becomes more and more um, upsetting. Well, I'll tell you, I'm really happy that you've been here this morning. And um, so we've discussed that. But one thing I wanted to mention to you, this is one of the interesting things, too, is that our demographics is really changing in this nation because we're not keeping you know, the, the birth rate it hasn't been this low since the 1930s. I was watching a story on CNBC the other day, and they were talking about how the demographics isn't keeping up with so in other words the there's no younger population to replace all the all the oldsters that are retiring and so this is going to even exacerbate the problems that we have yes yeah potentially 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 you know just but you know but I thought that was interesting that, that they talked about that. Well, this has been an immense pleasure, and I'm hoping that we can do this again because this is just barely scratching the surface of what we could talk about. And we we try to keep these down to 15, 20 minutes, and, but I have really thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, and I have to let people know that this podcast is sparsely uh, sponsored by the folks at uh, Lithium Motors. So they're helping to pay for this podcast. So I have to mention that. And I want to talk to you for a second after I do this.